the Gospel of John, chapter 12 and verse 20. The Gospel of John, chapter 12, beginning in verse 20. Um, Just a reminder, Dan and Anna are not with us today because Dan is suffering from an illness and uh, chest, heavy chest congestion and having trouble breathing and stuff like that. So uh, just going to keep him in, the, in our prayers. Anna's taking care of him. So uh, just going to keep that in prayer. Uh, so we'll begin in the Gospel of John chapter 12 from verses 20 to verse 37. Now there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. Then they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn Andrew and Philip told Jesus. But Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly I say to you, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my Father will honor. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Therefore, the people who stood by and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus answered and said, This voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. Now is the judgment of the world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And if I am lifted up from the earth, and I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. This he said, signifying by what death he would die. The people answered him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever, and how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man? Then Jesus said to them, A little while longer the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of the light. These things Jesus spoke and departed and was hidden from them. But although he had done so many signs before them, they did not believe him. In this passage, I remember when I was a younger man reading this passage and saying, well, this seems a little strange when certain Greeks, certain Gentiles came to Jesus' disciples and said, uh, we want to see Jesus. And so one disciple told another who told Jesus, 
And Jesus' answer was this response. And He says, The hour has come that the Son of Man be glorified. And He goes on to say, Most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies and remains alone, but if it dies it produces much fruit or much grain. Jesus, of course, was talking first of His own death, His, his death on the cross. Unless a grain of wheat dies and falls to the ground, it abides alone. He was talking about His coming death uh, and dying for the sins of the world. And so that not only Jews but Gentiles could be saved. So that was the response of the Gentiles that wanted to see Him. He was making a way for Jew and Gentile, to be non-Jew, to be saved. And it was through giving of his life that the door that God made a way for us to be forgiven for our sins and to be accepted by him, to become, as Jesus said later in this passage, the sons of the light, daughters of the light. Walk in the light that you may become the children of the light. And as he goes on, he says. He who loves his life will lose it. He who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. What does he mean by this? He who loves his life will lose it. But he who hates his life will keep it and save it for eternal life. We come into this world with corruption inside of us, all of us. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are sinners. And if we hold on to that life, says we're going to lose eternal life. But if we do away with that life, and reject that life, then we have the opportunity for eternal life. Now, how does that happen? Well, Jesus talked about it for Himself. He talked about His own death. And He calls us into that also. He says in verse 26, If anyone serves me, let him follow me. Jesus said in another place, in the same gospel, He who follows me will not be in darkness, but have the light of life. It is in following Jesus that we have the light of life. So how do we follow Jesus? We follow the things He taught us. We follow His guidance. We follow the life that He lived. His life was a life of sacrifice. He came down from heaven. He didn't have to do that. He said, no one takes my life from me. He goes, I lay it down. He laid His life down. He had power, He said, to call twelve legions of angels to deliver Him and those who are arresting Him. And he showed that when they said, Who do you seek? And he said, They said that when they came to rest him, they, Jesus said to them, Who do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. He said, I'm him. When he said, I'm him, it says they all fell backward to the ground. The power of God was still available. He could have had deliverance, but he laid down his life. Why did he lay down his life? Because he loved us. He didn't want us to perish, to have judgment for our sins. 
God has laid the penalty of our sins upon Him. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my Father will honor. He's talking about following him and serving him. You know, I used to, when I was a younger man, I used to go to some of these evangelistic meetings. And people say, if anyone who follows Jesus, raise your hand and come up front. And they say, all right, you pray this prayer, now you're a Christian. Does that agree with the words of Jesus? He says, if anyone follows me, he will not be in darkness. If anyone serves me, him will my Father honor. Listen to everything that Jesus said. He's calling us into a new life. As St. Paul says later, he says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old way of life passes away. Behold, all things become new. A new life in Jesus Christ. As He gives us His Holy Spirit and empowers us to reject our own life and our own way and our own will to accept and to follow the will of God and to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. To love our enemies. To do good to those who do evil to us. To bless those who curse us. And to pray for those who use us. A new life. When Jesus was on the cross, He said, Father, forgive them to those who cruci- was crucifying Him, for they don't know what they are doing. Love for the enemy. That's, that's not natural. That's something supernatural that God puts in our hearts. In Romans chapter 8, St. Paul says that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts through the Spirit He's given us. The ability to love those who don't love us. Anybody can love those who love them. But loving someone who doesn't love us, that's something different. That's something abnormal. That's something not of this world. It's otherworldly. The Bible says love is from God. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, or chapter uh, 5, God demonstrates His love for us. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. He didn't die for good people. He died for sinners. He died for the ungodly. He died for us, me and you. The ungodly. If anyone serves me, him will my Father honor. And then Jesus goes back to his own life. He's only a couple days away from being crucified. He knew what was coming. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. It says, he was saying that to know what death he was going to die. He was going to be lifted up on a cross. He, was, he knew. He says, now my soul is troubled. And what should I say? Father, deliver me from this time, from this agony? He said, for this purpose I came to the earth. This is why I came. He says, Father, glorify, honor your name in my life. And that is a message for the Christian. To honor God in our lives. The God of the honored glorified the word Jesus used. Honored and lifted up. The name of God to be honored and lifted up in the way we live. 
But Jesus made it clear, unless there's a death, then there can't be a lot of fruit, much fruit, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies. It abides alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. You take a seed and you put it in the ground, that seed is no more. You, you dig it up a month later and you see there's an empty shell laying somewhere in the ground. There's just roots and everything. You don't see a seed anymore. It's dead. Gone. But it produces much fruit from that plant. And this is the life he's calling to. Death to self and alive in Christ. A new life in Christ. Again in verse 35, Jesus said to them, a little while longer the light is with you. Walk you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness doesn't know where he's going. I know that from personal experience. I was a man of darkness. All of us know, know, know that life of darkness. Of being alienated from God because of the deceitfulness of our own way and the hardness of our hearts. But God, in His mercy, calls us into a new life. A new life in Him. We're not doing God favors by coming to Him. He's showing us grace and mercy in us coming to Him. And then He leads us on into the life He's called us to. we walk in darkness, he says, we don't know where we're going. We're walking around like a blind man. And the, the Apostle John writes later, he says, that we're stumbling around in the darkness, so we don't know where we're going. So now we go to verse 42 to the end of the chapter. Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Then Jesus Christ Jesus cried out and said, He who believes in me, believes not in me, but in, in him who sent me. And he who sees me, sees him who sent me. I have come as a light into the world, that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. And if anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his command is, is everything, excuse me, I know that his command is every, everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. 
So in this passage, we continue on, and it says that many people, even among the rulers, believed that Jesus was the Christ. But they would not confess He was the Christ, because they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. It was more important for them to be cool in the eyes of others, to be accepted and to think that they were something in the eyes of others. To have acceptance with their peers is more important to them than have acceptance with God. It's commonly known as peer pressure. What do my peers think of me? If I follow the Lord, maybe this and maybe that. And we give in to that pressure to not be everything that God calls us to be. Or maybe not even follow Him. Maybe not even confess Christ. Jesus said, if, <clears throat> uh, if you confess Me before men, I will confess you before, before the Father. But if you are ashamed of Me before men, I will be ashamed of you before the Father. But those who believe this message and embrace it in their hearts say, yes, I am following Christ no matter what the cost. That is somebody whose heart has been converted. That is a, someone who's made connection with God. That I will follow Christ no matter what the cost is. Come hell or high water, I am going to follow Christ. I have come as a light into this world that whoever believes in me should not stay in darkness. That's the purpose that he came, that we wouldn't stay in darkness. But if we reject his words, we're rejecting him. And now we're rejecting him, we're rejecting the one who sent him. And the one who sent him is the Father. We confess that we're a Christian, we can confess it until we're blown in the face. But we are, are we a disciple of Jesus? Are we a follower of Jesus? Because if we're not following Him, we're still in darkness. And that may sound hard, but that's the words of Jesus. He who follows Me will not remain in darkness. He who believes in Me but he says, if anyone hears my words and not, not believe, I won't judge him. He says, the purpose I came in this world is not to be judgment and to destroy men's lives. I came to save people. He said, the words that I spoke will be their judge at the last day. The words that we hear day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, from the word of God, wherever we hear it, we reject them and refuse to believe these words. Those words themselves will become the judge, will become our judge. So that's why it's so important, and that's why we so highly esteem and respect the words of God, the words of Jesus in the Holy Scriptures. These are the words of eternal life. And Jesus says, I know that the Father's command is eternal life. 
These words aren't here to burden us, to drag us down, to make our life difficult and confusing. These words are eternal life. His command, that the guidance in His Word that He gives us is eternal life. And say, so, well, I'll, do, I'll accept most of it, but there's certain things that maybe I can just keep aside. I'll just do the major things. And Remember, all of God's words are true, and all of God's words are for our benefit. And so it's important not to play games with the Word of God and to pick and choose what we will embrace and what we'll put on the back burner or hang on a hook somewhere. It's important to embrace the Word of God because it's from God and His Word, His command is eternal life. And that's why the Father sent the Son. Because His words are eternal life. And He gave Himself for us. If any man serve me, let him come after me and follow me. So that where I am, there will my servant be also. Where is Jesus? If you looked into his word, where was he? He was in a place of humility. He didn't have a lot of substance. He didn't have a... He said... He said he didn't have a place to lay his, his head. He wasn't a materialistic man. He wasn't pursuing the American dream. He was pursuing the will of the Father. Father, glorify your name. Glorify your name where? In my life, glorify your name. That the Father might be glorified in the Son, Jesus said. This message rings true throughout the New Testament. And there are many connections with what Jesus said and the Apostles said later. When we go to John 15, so many sermons have been made on it and we've talked about it many times. But I'll point out a few things. Of course, Jesus said in verse 1, I am the vine, you are the branches. Who is the branches? He says, any branch in me. In Christ. Those who are in Christ. Those who have come to believe this message. He says, if you don't bear any fruit, the Father prunes them away. Some branch, Those branches are thrown into the fire eventually. They're not grafted back in. They wilt. They don't bear fruit. What is a branch? <clears throat> if you look at the definition of branch, it says it's a piece of wood that comes out from the main trunk. The purpose of the grapevine, the branches of the grapevine, is to bear grapes. That's it. That's the purpose of it. That's the calling of a branch. Bear fruit. And so when some bear fruit, the Father prunes it, but bears more fruit. What is He pruning? He's cutting back the branch. Less branch, more fruit. Cutting branch, 
you're pruning the, the old wood from the previous year. And as God brings us through life, He cuts away at our old way, our old life. Through His different means. Less of us, more of Him. More fruit. Jesus, the Apostle, uh, I mean, uh, John the Baptist said, He must increase and I must decrease. And that's the process that God is bringing through. That we would de decrease and Christ would increase in our life. In verse 5 he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who remains in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. Without me you can do nothing. It is our con continuing to be connected to Christ, by remaining in him, that we bear much fruit. Verse 8 says, By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. Remember, Jesus talked about the Father being glorified or honored in the Son. And now He talks about the Father being honored or glorified and lifted up in us. How does that happen? Remaining in the vine. Walking in the Spirit. Galatians chapter 2, Paul says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. This walk of faith is the recognition that we have died to our old way of life. We have died to our old way of life. Past tense. When did that happen? When we were converted. Don't you know? He says, how do, we, how do we who have died to sin live any longer in it? We were buried with Christ in the baptism into His death and raised with Him to walk in a new life. A new creation. Crucified with Christ. The Christian must recognize that we have died to our way of life. And when temptation rises, we say no. We take a step of faith. The life we now live, we live by faith in the Son of God, that we are dead to that old way of life. We have died with Christ. We are freed from sin. As I mentioned the other week, three times in the book of Romans, chapter 6, it says... We've been freed from sin. Dead to sin, freed from sin. Free. Tomorrow is the 4th of July. What is celebrated in this country? Independence. A couple, over 200 years ago, there was a war here, right in, the, right in Pennsylvania and all over the, the East Coast. It was a war against England. These were English colonies. Pennsylvania... It was one of the 13 English colonies. And they sent, on the July 4th, 1776, they sent to the King of England a document 
It was a declaration. We're no longer part of your kingdom. We're no longer part... Your government has no jurisdiction over us. We're declaring our independence from your government. From, your, from, the, from the royalty of the king of England. We had, we're making a declaration. We're free. Independence. We're independent from you. We're no longer part of your... Your, um, your kingdom... No longer part of your empire. No longer part of the English Empire. We're done. After that, a war started. Lasted for several years. I think it was three years. And finally, with the American nation, uh, the, the, the Declaration declared, actually, you know, was done. The War of Independence is over. It had been won. When Jesus was on the cross, he said it is finished. The war was won. The Declaration of Independence from sin was won on the cross. And Jesus said it is finished. And when he rose from the dead, he sent his disciples out to declare that. Declare freedom from the way of the world the way of our human nature from bondage to Satan, the devil, who Peter refers to as the enemy of our soul. Not just the soul of a Christian, for every soul. Because he wants to deceive us, no matter who we are, from the life of God. If we're a Christian, he wants to turn us away from the life of God that, he's, that God has brought us into. And if we're not a Christian, he wants to keep us from following and embracing the life of God that was made for us through the cross of Christ. Independence, freedom, it's there for us. Freedom from our old way of life. Freedom from deception of Satan. Freedom from the fear of death. Freedom from fear and anxiety. From the lust of the flesh, from the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Jesus said, remain in me, and you will be free. And he says, love one another as I have loved you. No greater love has anyone than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. Love one another as I have loved you, so people shall know that you are my disciples. You are followers of me, you are serving me. That you're abiding in the vine. Giving our lives for one another. In the church. What does that mean? Not just in this room, but we start in this room. What does that mean to give our lives for each other? To love each other the way Jesus loved us. That's only possible... Through abiding in the vine. Abiding in Christ. We can't love one another. We can't lay down our lives for each other the way Jesus did without abiding in the vine. So, if we're bearing the fruits of the flesh, if we're angry towards each other, if we have outbursts of wrath, if we're crabby, if we're selfish, 
if we're self-absorbed, if we're living this insulated life where we're arm's length from our brothers, we're not abiding in the vine the way Christ called us to. We're stubborn. We're demanding. We're fearful and anxious. Unloving. Unkind. Harsh. Pushy. Looking down at others. Proud. Arrogant. If we see this stuff in our life, there's a pattern of this in our life. We're not abiding in the vine. If we're this way one time, inviting the vine, if we're this way one time, being like Christ sometimes, and being like not like Christ in other times, we're the unstable man who is double-minded and unstable in all of his ways. Sometimes we're abiding the vine, sometimes we're not. Sometimes we're walking the Spirit, sometimes we're not. And with some people, that they feel that that's okay. They're content with that. But that's not the call of God. The call of God is not to bear a little fruit. <coughs> the call of God is not to bear a little fruit. If you abide in me and my words remain in you, Jesus said, He says, If you abide, if if you abide in me and I in you, he says, he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. If we remain in Christ, we bear a lot of fruit, not a little. This is the will of God that we bear much fruit, not a little. A lot. A lot of fruit. 30, 60, 100 times as much as our planet. And as we hear the word, we have a responsibility. To follow Him. To follow His teaching. To follow the life that He given us the example for. If we're abiding in Christ, the fruit of the Spirit will be abundant in our life. And we will have love for one another. We won't be aloof from one another. We will embrace one another. We will be a part of each other's lives, abiding in the vine. Because our fellowship is in the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, it says, Those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its affections and its lusts. It says, Walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the desires of the sinful nature. If you walk in the Spirit, we bear the fruit of the Spirit. 
we walk in the flesh, we're not abiding in the vine. And we bear the fruits of the flesh. In order to bear the fruits of the Spirit, we must crucify the flesh. Paul talks about those who have crucified, those who are Christ have crucified the flesh. And we die daily, as Paul said, I die daily. Paul said, I, I bring my body into subjection and make it my slave. I discipline my body. Put it to death daily. Crucify it. Death. We have died with Christ. And it says we should count ourselves dead to sin. The word reckon in Romans 6 means to count it that way. That's the way it is. But it's only in a life of faith. The life that I now live, I must live by faith in the Son of God. And faith in what He and the Apostles have taught us. That's our guide. It's a light to our feet. It's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Walking in the Spirit is abiding in Christ. It's abiding in the vine. Walking in the Spirit. Jesus said, My sheep follow me. This continual message that comes forth in the words of Jesus and the apostles. Also, in Galatians chapter 6, the apostle Paul says, God forbid that I should boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified to me and me to the world. There's a dividing line crucifixion between us and the world me to the world the world to me as one as one of the leaders of the Anabaptist movement said in a famous speech he said that light and darkness life and death have nothing to do with one another a dividing line between Light and darkness, life and death in Christ. We have died. <clears throat> the world is crucified to us, so we should count it that way. Crucify the flesh, the world. The world, the flesh, and the world are crucified to me. Those who are Christ have crucified the flesh. Past tense. When we come into Christ, we crucify the flesh. Now we count ourselves dead. Are we counting ourselves dead to all temptations? Are we counting ourselves dead to fear and anxiety? Uh-uh. One of the fruits of the Spirit is faith. As we walk in the Spirit, we grow in faith. As we abide in Christ, we grow in faith. As we abide in Christ, we grow in love. And we walk in love. And we lay down our lives for one another. The love of Jesus... Greater love is no love than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Laying down our life. Laying down our will. Laying down our selfishness. Putting others before ourselves. There's a wake-up call to the Christian. If we didn't fade away from these truths, there would be no need to write them in here all the, over all the all over the New Testament. 
It is a constant reminder of these things. And we should constantly remind each other of these things also. So finally, a couple things we read in the men's meeting the other night in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. <coughs> Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. If we are bound, if we don't feel free, free from temptation, freedom over temptation, freedom over, over sin, freedom over fear and anxiety, if we're in a negative state of mind, that's not the liberty of Christ. It's not the freedom we have in Christ. We're missing it. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom, liberty. Liberty from darkness, so we're not walking in darkness. Our minds can be in such darkness and negativity. If we're in negativity, we're in darkness. If we have a negative mindset, we're in darkness. We're not abiding in the vine the way we should be. We're not walking in the Spirit. Because as we walk in the Spirit, we have faith. We have light. Not negativity. The message of the cross is a positive message. For a positive outlook on life. Verse 18, But we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being changed or transformed into the same image from glory to glory by the Spirit of God, by the Spirit of the Lord. The work of God in our life is God who is at work in us to do with the will of His good pleasure. To change us, to transform us into the likeness of Christ. The life of Christ. If any man serve me, let him follow me. That where I am, Jesus said, they may be also. If we follow Jesus, we'll be where he is. We'll live like him. We'll be in the places that Jesus would be. Concerned about the poor, the downtrodden, the handicapped, the troubled, the burdened. To be an outreach to others. To be a light to others, a lighthouse. Not hiding our light under a bushel basket, under a table, but shining our light. That all who come in the room may see that light come out of the darkness. If Jesus be lifted up, People will be drawn to Him. If we're abiding in Christ, our light will shine. So shall we bear much fruit. Listen to Paul later in chapter 4, where he says, Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may also be revealed or manifested in our, in, our, my, in our bodies. Without the dying of the Lord Jesus in our bodies, the life of Jesus won't be manifested in our bodies. As we abide in Christ, 
as we count ourselves dead, throw away a life, dead to sin, dead to the flesh, dead to the world, the life of Jesus is revealed in our bodies. Not just to us, but to others. When Jesus said, you are the light of the world, let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. How does that light shine? The dying of the Lord Jesus brings forth the life of Jesus in our bodies. And the life of Jesus will be made manifest in our bodies. That's the shining of the light. That's not just doing a good few Christian deeds in the sight of people. It's the life of Jesus being manifested in our mortal bodies. In these jars of clay. In these imperfect bodies that we live in. These jars of clay is how Paul referred to them. We who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus may be manifest in our mortal bodies. That death, so then death is working in us, but life in you. Jesus said, unless a man denies himself and picks up his cross and follows me, he cannot be a Christian. He cannot be my disciple. You can't follow him unless you deny yourself. This is what we've been talking about today. This is what Paul's talking about here. He's talking about the dying of the Lord Jesus. Dying to our own life. Dying to the way of the world. Dying to the desires of the flesh. Counting ourselves dead in Christ. That the life of Jesus might be revealed in us. That's where evangelism comes from. Not just a lot of talk, not just a lot of handing out of tracts and a lot of knocking on doors. Those things are good. But if we're not abiding in the vine, if the life of Jesus is not being revealed in our bodies, not just in our tongues, but in our bodies, it's not... It's not the message of evangelism of Jesus. We are called to walk in His steps. We are called that His life should be revealed in us. Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it doesn't bear any fruit. This is the will of the Father. That we abide in Him, in Christ, abide in the vine, and bear much fruit. So shall we be His disciples, His followers. An interconnected message from Jesus and His disciples, His apostles, that we read throughout the New Testament. Do we see ourselves being transformed from day to day into the image of His Son? One of laying down His life for those who don't deserve it. Christ died for the ungodly. Christ didn't die for people who deserved it, because none of us deserved it. Loving those who don't deserve it. Laying down our lives for those who don't deserve it. 
not just just those who love us. We who are parents, we know that we lay down our lives for our children. We give ourselves. We provide for them. We try to provide guidance for them. And all the things that we do for those who are loved ones. But Jesus calls us many steps further. Beyond our own love, quote, loved ones, to those in the body of believers, not just the super spiritual, there is such a thing, but to all those in the church and outside the church, to love your neighbors yourself. That only happens. We can only lay down our lives as we abide in Christ. Call to abide in Christ Jesus. So shall we bear much fruit. So shall the Father be glorified. As the Father is glorified in the Son, so we can glorify the Father also by bearing much fruit. Dave, Josiah, Dan, I'm going to call on you brothers to comment on this or anything else you want to share. Okay, Dave. 